0: Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast episode 93 for Monday, December 5th, 2016. Mm-hmm. And welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians and weekend warriors here after the weekend in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton.
1: Out in Las Gatos, California, it's Paul Kent. How goes it, man? Goes good. Finally got back on stage this weekend, which was awesome.
0: Oh, that's good. Where? So you, uh, acoustic gigs or electric gigs or a little of each? Or-
1: Actually, I, I just had an electric gig and... Um, it, it was at that club in our town that we play at quite a bit, but it was for a private party and it was a nice private party. You know, there were about 100 people at this party and and uh, good people and they had a, wanted to have a lot of fun. We broke out five new songs. Some of it were he went through our our published song list, which is on our website, wow. which which, you know. <laughs> he, you know, that was published several years ago, and some of those songs hadn't been thought of in a while, And but this guy thought of them, so we had to dust them off. But uh, we did five new songs. I'll tell you about them. We did um, – he wanted some Chicago. People always see our band. They see horns. Sure. They ask for Chicago. I am not a Chicago fan. Interesting. I don't like the grooves. I don't I – really not a huge fan of the – Horn arrangements are just a little too jazzy for me. I mean, I I like the Jukes, uh, Asbury Jukes, and uh, Tower of Power. To me, that's what, you know, horns and, oh. and popular music sounds best. But Chicago has always just kind of had this uh, – arranging style for the horns that are just a little bit closer to jazz of course but not, yeah. but not quite jazz and and they're just they don't punch enough for me but anyway that said um we played saturday in the park which yeah. is you know a very great pop song i have to admit uh and uh, nick and and simon sang it they sang it great the horns punched it out so that was cool uh we played two Creedence songs bad moon rising and uh, have you ever seen the rain you know nothing nothing terribly hard there they came together really quickly, which was good. And um, then we played uh, two Doobie Brothers tunes, China Grove, and listened to the Music, where we added, you know, all the right harmonies and that type of stuff. So we had one vocal rehearsal to kind of cover this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Nick made a really nice arrangement. You know, have you ever seen The Rain, like a lot of Fogarty stuff? It's within Immortals you know, purview to sing most of it, but he typically has one money note in almost every Creedence song. That Fogarty is the... it 's
0: is one of the hardest things to cop only because it doesn't sound like it's hard to
1: do. He's effortless. He goes up high yep. and, and the tone doesn't change a whole lot from his chest voice. And so, yeah, have you ever seen The Rain? Most of it is is really manageable, but, um, but he has a couple of money notes in that. And so we arranged like a vocal harmony for the chorus, Nick Nick has kind of a tenor voice and so he kind of took that high A and I you know we got this nice three-part harmony that kind of buttered together and kind of made it our own. Nice. And that yeah that you know that and this is the thing e- you know even Saturday in the park I will, I've said this on the show before Songs come together quickly when everybody has a common frame of reference to it. Like if it's in your in the common dictionary of your band, you typically can can bang them out. But you know some of the more obscure funk stuff that we've done, some of the more obscure Bruce stuff we've done that not everybody in the band you know just kind of has lived with this. It's not part of their DNA. Those are the songs that we tend to. Um, the guy who brought in the song, hears something from the original that, you know, he's striving to get the band to get towards. And that's, that's a pretty common thing.
0: It's and that's a hard thing to deal with. I I've, um, I've, I've experienced it enough to know that there are some times where that can work, right. You've got the one guy that knows this song and it, and there's, like you said, there's, there's one piece of it or multiple pieces of it that really means something to, to him. Um, And the other, the rest of the band either has no emotional attachment to it or no attachment whatsoever to it. And I always give that like, you know, you gotta, you gotta go with a really short leash on that stuff because you can wind up heading down a path where you're never going to get to the point that the, that matters to the person who, who brought it in. And, uh, and if I see that happening, I usually just punt on it. It's like, no, there's no way we're going to play. This song this that this band is going to play this particular song the way you hear it in your head and it's going to drive you crazy and we're just not going to get there, you know, um, unless we're all willing to just go wherever this song takes our band or our band takes this song. You just got to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it works like sometimes you'll play it and the place where your band happens to take that song is exactly where this guy wanted it to go. And it's like, OK, great. Then then we're here.
1: You've mentioned that you have, uh, I think your bass player is a hardcore dead fan and he's pretty picky about the, yeah. about the nuances that he hears. The when
0: nuances you- and the tone and, and you know, the, the really where the, the it's funny the, where the problem comes in is the length of solos, yeah. it, you know? And it's like, okay, you're the, not the one playing the solo. It's that guy. So when he says the solo is over. It has to be over, especially if we're in the middle of a gig. If we're at a rehearsal and you want to try, you know, doing three choruses for a solo instead of two. Like, great, let's try it. Let's see how that goes. But in the middle of the gig, if the solo has ended and you're the one driving the bus now and you're singing, don't leave. I, I call it the baton, right? You have to pass off the baton and the baton may not roll around on the stage, you know, aimlessly. And, uh, and and we've had that problem specifically with dead tunes where it's like, you know, Burke's listening to a solo in his head that should be going on, but no one else can hear it because no one's actually playing it. And and that's where it's like, yeah. oh, no, 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 nope. can't do this. I'll take a drum solo. I do. And then the guys know they're like, oh, right. Something needed to happen here. Yep. <laughs> but I'm a dumb, a jackass. That yeah.
1: way. <laughs> <laughs> so that, so anyway, yeah, yeah. good week. No, no, not too real. Just, uh, it was great to play again. All the guys are really hungry to play, which is really a fun feeling. Everybody's just, the band is just in a very copacetic, uh, you know, this is what we do and I miss it when we don't do it. So let's really enjoy everything about it. So, you know, the band, the vibe on stage is fun. The vibe off stage is fun. The music was flowing. And, uh, you know, it reminds you, it reminds you what good is, right? You know, when you play all the time, You can, you can take for granted what good is.
0: It's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I I always, I mean, I don't like the breaks in gigs when I don't, you know, if I don't play, if I don't play for one weekend, I'm okay with it. But a couple, you know, I'll start getting antsy, but there is that nice little like, oh yeah, that this is like fresh again. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I thought today would be interesting
0: Actually, uh, I, I did do one gig this week. Yet Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, yeah. no. I didn't expect to, but um, I did that Wednesday night thing with my friend Amanda again. And instead of it being a trio, uh, Jamie, the bass player that played with us the, the first week, couldn't do it. So it was just a duo. And after the gig, I was thinking, you know, I think this was the first time I've ever done just a duo gig for a full night. I mean, I've done little duo things here and there, uh, with you know, a couple, couple, three songs. Go ahead.
1: With me? With you. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Right. I've done that kind of stuff, but where it's like, OK, we're both going to be on stage the whole night. We're doing two sets, you know, and, and this kind of thing. And it, it was actually a lot like what you and I did together. Um, And it worked out. It it you know, we actually it, it, two people. It's easier to, to kind of move things. Around. I've always said I like the trio because the trio lineup because you, you're you very flexible and you can move. Well, the duo lineup is even more flexible than that. Uh, Way more. And and so it was we actually had some good moments and it really it it proved to me it was like, okay, this thing can can go. We don't need to be doing Wednesday nights at this at this little place. They're nice enough to us and all that. That's fine. But I told her, I said, you know, we can do a Friday or Saturday night anywhere uh, and totally kill it. And and uh, she sings great. She's got a great look. Uh, you, You know, like the whole thing is like it would be it would it would totally kill anywhere. And so I'm looking forward to seeing where that where that uh, evolves,
1: it's fun to have those options. So you, you know, I got I've got the big band, I do right. solo. You know about my trio, and then I've done duos in different configurations before. Uh, there's a, a buddy of mine in town. His name's Johnny Neary. He's a you know nice singer um, and uh, songwriter type type guy, and uh, we did a couple of duos, and people really liked it. So you know, again in this in this interesting mesh of live music, finding. Finite chemistries that that translate is a big deal, um, and you know Johnny and I, and actually we invited a third guy. We're going to do an acoustic gig on Wednesday night. That is a tribute to Paul Simon, so a whole evening of Paul Simon songs.
0: I can't. I saw that on your schedule, and I can't wait to hear about how that goes. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah. And the nice thing is, the third guy is a, is a really uh, Aaron. He's a big Paul Simon fan, and he brought in some songs I hadn't thought about from Paul Simon. And along like Baby Driver off of Br- Bridge Over Troubled Water. Yeah. What a great tune. I mean that'd be a great band tune.
0: Yeah, it totally would. Oh then, yeah.
1: Huh. And then we we had played uh he, he plays in his band, Aaron does, um Hazy Shade of Winter. And that's kind of a rocking tune. I mean, there's a lot there, you know, that that a, a band today could really, you know, make pop. It's got a great groove, it's got a great riff, you know, a great hook, and um so that, that was a pretty good one too. So I love Paul Simon. I have this kind of long history. He was one of my first heroes. I think I told you uh, my grandfather actually played in a band with Paul Simon's grandfather. Wow. Excuse, excuse me. With Paul Simon's father. Yeah. In New York city. So I kind of have this like deep, deep connection to Paul Simon's music growing up in New York, you know, Paul Simon was kind of the archetypical you know, oh, yeah. pat- patron saint of New York city. And, and uh, uh, you know, there's stuff from throughout his career that has just had this great effect on me and that's really what paul simon is right you know paul simon is a is a larger than life singer writer he, you know transcending genres transcending you know political climates everything he's just been there and his music just really does it for me. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'll do everything from Graceland, Slip Sliding Away, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Um, I, I really enjoyed getting back into the guitar part to like April Come, She Will, yeah. um, American Tune, America. I mean, so it's, it's going to be really fun. So I'll, I'll look forward to sharing that about that oh, next that's week. That's
0: great. Yeah, I have a, a similar uh, – my my grandfather didn't play with Paul Simon. But, uh, but you know, I grew up – actually, I didn't – I've never really thought about this before, but you and I – uh, grew up not too far from each other because uh, I was just, you know, 40 minutes outside of Manhattan in Connecticut. And, right. And uh, and it was the same kind of thing. My my parents, my mother, especially huge Paul Simon fans. So it was like really the first music that, that I just, that became part of me. So, yeah, definitely. That's cool, man. I can't wait to hear about it. That's exciting. all right, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So now,
1: sorry. So now I was about. thinking as we get to the end of the year and, you know, Often in the beginning of the year, a lot of people make changes. People look for new projects. People change their existing projects and maybe go through some personal changes. So I thought uh, a little discussion about the the two sides of the coin of of the auditioning process, whether you as a musician are auditioning for another band, or whether you your band is looking for replacement players or, or starting a new project, you know what are the things that go into successful auditions? I certainly have you know auditioned a lot of people for the House Rockers over the seventeen years that we've been together. You know, at just about at just about every at just about every instrument. So um, it it's been. It's interesting to me, and there's been some definite threads, some consistencies about you know types of instruments and what people come in with. But um, I'll start with this. Do you remember the last time you actually lugged your drum somewhere and, and auditioned for a gig? Yeah. Not just – because right. Fling, you were just asked to join, right? There was no audition for that, right?
0: Well, right. So Fling was – Fling was sort of an existing um, – uh, basement project with no aspirations of playing out. It was just, it was like bowling night, but instead of going bowling, you know, these guys (laughs) would get together and just play music. And, and that was, uh, only something that interested me because we just moved to New Hampshire and I didn't really know anybody. So it was like, okay, cool. You know, guys night. And, and so Russ's son and my son had been doing a mommy and me yoga class together. And so the kids got talking and and then um the the our our wives Lisa and, and Lynette started talking, and uh, Lynette happened to say to Lisa, "Oh Dave plays drums are right, your husband plays drums. he should come over on Friday." so they didn't really even know I was coming. I mean, I think Lynette told Russ, but it was just like she invited me over and uh, and I showed up at the house and and they were already started and so I went down and they didn't happen to have Steve, who was their drummer just wasn't there that night or something. And so I went and played and we had a a fun time and they invited me back and, and then it sort of evolved. So yeah, there was never an audition, so to speak, uh, for, for me with fling. I think the only auditions we went through were when we had to, when we kind of retooled things and we needed to put in a a real bass player. Um, And that was, we actually found somebody else and he didn't really work. So then we brought Burke in, and it's been smooth sailing since. Yeah. Yeah. But I do remember the last time I went and with Dave Brunyak, right. Lisa and Lisa is the one that finds me auditions. Um, so anybody that, that's your I mean, manager, she totally is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, sometimes to her detriment, but, uh, but yeah, she found that, uh, Dave was kind of retooling his, uh, he, he, he now plays in in pink talking fish. And that's what we were talking to him about. But he had a band prior to that. That was his band called the freaks. P H uh, R E A K S. That was just a fish tribute band. And Lisa's like, this is close enough. This is local. You should go audition for this. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll go audition for this. We'll see what happens, you know? And I'd never really, I'm a fish fan, but I never really had learned a lot of the parts. And I think I talked about some of that. Even when we had Dave on it, it's like, Oh, this stuff's like totally backwards. Um, so it was cool to learn it all. And as soon as I auditioned with him, things went well. Uh, and then he got a call to go play some gigs with pink talking fish and, uh, and that's still happening. So, so it wasn't like I didn't pass the audition. It just, uh, it fizzled out. I don't know if I would have been chosen, at, you know, at the, at the end of the process, but, uh, it just sort of died
1: on the farm. So what was it like? What, what did he tell you to come ready to do?
0: Yeah. So he gave me. Uh, a list, he, he, he organized fish's songs or some of fish's songs into, into categories. And he was like, all right, I want, you know, you to learn a straight ahead rocker. I want you to learn a technical song. I want you to learn a fast song. And I want you to learn, you know, so he was like, pick one or two, whatever it was from each of these three or four categories and show up and, 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 you know, have them down. Cause fish tunes, a lot of them are not songs you can just play off the cuff. Um, huh? And so I showed up and he had this keyboard player from, he was retooling the band from the ground up. So it wasn't just like they were inserting a drummer. It was Dave was the guitar player in the leading force and he was assembling all new musicians around him. Uh, And and so we all showed up and, but we had all picked different songs from his list because that's, you know, sort of the way, the the way life works. So we did actually wind up playing each of us wound up playing at least one song off the cuff as we sort of went around each person's uh, list but uh, but it worked out. It actually we we had a we had a good time. There were moments where it gelled a little bit and was like, oh, huh. There might actually be something here. We might be able to make this work. But um,
1: but well, then, yeah. that's interesting. So so um, what you described is, is kind of my methodology as well. So when we I'll, I'll talk about last time that we yeah. audition auditioned for guitar players and um, guitar players have been the 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 bane of my existence. So I'm pretty hard on guitar players. I find guitar players have been uh, nodding their head when I tell them what the gig is and, you know, very clear what the gig is. And then their expectations rapidly change once they get into the band worse than any other uh, instrument that we've had. Right. So so I've I've had uh, three keyboard players over the years. I've had um, two bass players, three drummers but I think we've had seven guitar players over the 17 years. And the one we have now is like the, is the, I couldn't dream of a better fit, you know, chops and teamwork and all type of stuff. But um, my, my approach to, to auditioning guitar players has been, uh, there's three songs, a funk song, a rock song, and then a complicated song. And typically the complicated song has been Rosalita because a, you know, listening for how someone pays attention to the nuance of those things has been is of interest to me. Yep. Someone's willingness to do the hard work, right? Because uh, that song has a lot of you know parts to it and a lot of you know places where it goes left, right, um, and then so you audition on those three songs, and then if someone is is cool and you know you're feeling it, then then we'll invite them to stay and jam and uh, and just see how uh, see how the chemistry continues to go so the guy the guy i had uh three guitar players ago he came in very good player uh only learned one and a half of the three songs and against my better judgment instincts he got the gig he was the best of the he was the best of the players but um i remember specifically asking him you know you're ready for rosalita he goes he goes, no, man, that song was a lot of time to put in. And that should have been should have been the red oh, flag. It should have made. been like screaming red flag. Yep. That's right. Yep. And, and in fact, what ended up, you know, he, he ended up being a, a difficult guy. Uh, you know, again, very, very good player, naturally talented and good taste and good, you know, good chops and all type of stuff. But it was almost a never ending problem of perception. Uh, I think he got the gig, as I recall, because we had quite a few things lined up. We were kind of anxious and too anxious to make the change, and so he was in the band for nine months, and, and uh, it was the longest nine month period of my you know time having the House Rockers. It was really it was a big red flag, but kind of similar to what your uh, audition experience was. One, three songs. A few different genres. One kind of uh, a test to see if you're really on the ball and you're going to have the same work ethic as the rest of us. And then once we get over that, then we start looking deeper into the chemistry between the guys. Uh, a little jamming, we'll do that. And um, and uh, yeah, so huh. that was that was that's kind of my approach to auditioning uh, players. Uh, we've auditioned horn players, and luckily my horn guys are very picky, and so they're they're very um, you know a lot. Of those are reading gigs. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll give a guy three songs and he's going to let him know he, and then have one that he comes in and he has to sight read and it's usually one of our more complicated songs and the horns will have a very you know strong opinion for the nuances of his playing um, sure. drummers has been an interesting thing so drummers I have been amazed over, when I was auditioning for Joe we had guys come in and I am amazed at a number of drummers who come into to an audition and they just want to show you how John Bonham they are way loud their head is down they're not even looking at the rest of the band as they're kind of going through some things i was amazed at how many pure bangers um and again i am pretty careful about setting the expectation what is the band about you know what is a good fit um you know that type of thing and maybe maybe you know it's fair to say you you advertise on craigslist when you don't have a big circle you know community network of, of musicians and you kind of get what you get coming in um but once you kind of get ensconced in your scene, there's a little bit more referral, you know, from trusted people going on. And, and that kind of helps that whole process a little bit. And that people who know your band will refer people who might. Yeah, be you,
0: you get some known quantities or, or at least, like you said, referred qualities coming in and quantities. And that yeah. that makes a difference for sure. Yeah. 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 Have you ever um, have you ever? Uh, well, I
1: guess the, the, the first question to ask is, have you ever auditioned for a band? I have never auditioned for a band. I, didn't you know, I think so. I, yeah. you know, in high school it was my band. After high school it was my band. Yeah. Then I took a long break, and then I started the House Rockers after high
0: school again. That's right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Long, much longer after high school. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, even Acoustic Madness was kind of like a gathering of friends, so there wasn't really an audition process. So, right. you know. uh, and also, I'm you know, I'm not a great follower. Like, if I agree to do something and sub for somebody or something like that, I'll do my homework. But I'm just, you know, I'm not a great follower. And so I don't know that and in most walks of life. And so I don't know that I would be a great soldier on, a, on an ongoing basis having to be in someone else's band. So I try to have empathy for what it's like for that position. And I try to be a good leader and be inclusive. You know, and this kind of goes to that, you know, um, this This beneficial dictatorship, right right um, right you know I try to be empathetic to what it's like to be in a band and only pull the leader card when when I have to and that's a you know a tough and thankless rope to walk on but but um I've never auditioned for a band um but from my vantage point, I think what i'm when i'm the way I go about setting up these auditions set very clear expectations. For, for what being in the band is. Absolutely. Very clear ex- ex- yeah. expectations for what the audition process is like. And then afterwards, restate the expectations. But like I said, I've been burned with guitar players more than anything else about, you realize this is about the number of lead vocal songs. This is, you know, the expectation of your guitar duties in the band. Um, you know, here's our here's our song list. Here's where we're going. Here's how, many, how often we play. Here's what dress, you know, is expectation. I'm trying to like lay it all out there, but I've been surprised... And um dismayed at the number of times someone will nod their head and say, I get it. I get it. I get it. And then a month in, they don't get it. They, they don't get, get it. it.
0: Oh yeah, of course. But that's always, I mean, that's any job, right? Is it's, it? I think so. Sure. You get people that just want the job and need the job, but you know, for whatever that means to them. So
1: this yeah. causes so much heartache in the, in of the course. short run and the long run. It's just not going to work out.
0: Right. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, have you, so when you do your auditions or when you've done your auditions, uh, do you try and set it up so that you have, you know, say three or four people or maybe even six or eight people on the same day so you can just kind of keep whatever core of the band, maybe the rhythm section, whatever it is that needs to be there for it. Do you do that so that you can be efficient and somebody's supposed to be play for for, you know, an hour for here or a half hour for here or whatever it is. Do you do that?
1: Exactly. So, okay. you know, we, yeah. we schedule auditions on this day, you have this time, this time, this time, yeah. time, time slot. I'm not um intensely regimented about not letting guys who have auditions stick around to listen to the auditions Uh, you know, that I I don't know to me, there's a little bit of benefit and that it creates a little bit of that competitive edge, but also, you know, the first guy has usually has the benefit of not having the second guy there waiting to see. So it doesn't seem entirely fair to me, but um, it also makes it easier when you select a guy, if he's like, this happened when we recently did, um, uh, we replaced our trombone player last year And the horn players came, they sat in, they kind of checked it out and they, they stood around. And when we chose the guy we chose, um, it was pretty obvious that, you know, even to the other two guys, it wasn't like a, how could you choose him type of thing? I have had, you know, guys blast me afterwards and say, you know, F you, you didn't choose me.
0: Yeah. Well, that's all, I mean, again, any job, right? You know, that's, (laughs) that's how that goes. Have, have you ever, and I, and I asked this question a little bit loaded because I have a story to tell, uh, but have you ever had an audition where you, you know, you've got somebody, they're slotted for whatever it is, 30 minutes or an hour, and, uh, and, and at some point you decide that that person no longer needs to spend any more time with you?
1: Yeah, I've yeah. cut off auditions before. You have, yeah. And I, th- I thought what you were going to ask is, I, have, have people ever been late to auditions? Oh
0: well, I assume that's a yes, but that's just that's just, <laughs> that, that's just yet another data point in the uh, in the set that one uses to decide whether or not to hire someone.
1: Um, and again, I try to make someone successful. So I actually, say your slot is this to this, and we have other people auditioning. So you know, please don't be late. Please yes. Yeah. So on top of that, if they are still late, it's, it's kind of a big F you. And so, and promptness is like a a thing with me. And so um, I think maybe over the course of time, one or two guys have been late and one guy, I think I did not let audition because he was so late just said, sorry, we had to move on. And, uh, and one guy was just like 15 minutes late. And, you know, I don't, I don't really recall whether I extended his time or cut it short, but it is a data point that says this is this guy's values, his work ethic, you know? And with me, like, Mutual respect is kind of the basic foundation of everything. And so, you know, if you don't demonstrate mutual respect, I assume it permeates all different aspects of your personality. Yeah. It's just going to be how it is. That's right. Yeah.
0: yeah we, um, speaking of lack of mutual respect, we, we, uh, Keith and I went, this was after I was in the responders and actually I'll tell the story about that audition in a minute, but um, the the band sort of our our singer, Rick decided he wasn't going to play anymore that he was too old or whatever. And so we were retooling the responders into a band that eventually was called route 66. And, uh, and so we, we needed to audition bass players and we wanted to audition singing bass players. And so this one guy shows up and again, we, you know, we was, it was just Keith and I, uh, for, you know, for an afternoon or whatever. And we had, I think three or four, maybe five people coming down. And, uh, and it was like the second slot, maybe the, the third side was somewhere in the middle. And this guy showed up and, you know, he set up his bass amp or whatever. And, you know, we we're chit-chatting or whatever. And we play, we got one chorus into the song and we knew, I mean, it was just like, oh, this is not going to work, yeah. y- you know? And Keith's like, he looked at me and just to make sure that like, you know, I was on the same page as him. He was, Keith was making the decisions, but still he was, he just wanted a sanity check. I'm like, oh yeah, this is not going to happen. And uh, he just stopped the song and he's like, yeah, you can go now.
1: <laughs> like, oh my God. How did the guy handle it? how did the guy respond?
0: Um, the guy was the guy was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "What do you mean? I can go now?" And he's like, "This isn't going to work." <laughs> that was it.
1: That was well, it. you know, yeah. better to pull off the band aid than to, than to fulfill it. I I probably it'd have to be pretty bad for me not to give the guy a shot and just give him the courtesy of that. Yeah. However, you bring up a good point. Singing is a is a thing, right? So, yeah. so I talked about the guitar parts, but all our guitar parts. Players have all had to sing to some degree. And so, um, you know, we would often give them a part. Um, I think I think it's sometimes I've asked them if they wanted to give us a song mm-hmm. that they sing lead on, you know, that, that we would, you know, give us something that doesn't not too much lifting because, right. again, we're auditioning you. You're not auditioning us. But well, but, you, and, it's both both directions. I
0: always look at it as a, a two way street when when <clears> you go on to an audition. And I mean, again, any job interview, you don't want to show up and act like a jerk. But at the same time, you know, I'm always feeling people out to make sure, is this something I want to spend my my Saturday and, you know, my Friday and Saturdays with? So,
1: so what you say, that's actually the interesting thing, right? So you can have that approach, but if you wear that approach on your sleeve. You can't. No, no, no. Right. No, no. Like, uh, yes. No, it, you, you should have. I've seen that before. I've seen, you know, guys walk in and like, you know. And mostly what it is, is is an overcompensation for the concept of being judged. Right. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's not I don't even know that they really mean that, but they're more like, well, I'm so insecure that you're about to say yes or no to me that I'm going to I'm going to give off this like, well, maybe I don't want you think. Right. Right. And and it it never ends well when you do that. You
0: can't give off that vibe. I I always sort of. If, if if there's some stuff that's just self evident when you're you know playing with people does this work can, do we lock in like can I get along with these people is it awkward silence between the songs or are we chit chatting and having a little fun okay that's good you know um, but then the other thing is how often do they really play how you know if if like that stuff's not obvious and and I always try to. Get the other guys in the band sort of talking about the the airing of their dirty laundry somehow, because I want to know I'm going to see it. If I join your band, you invite me to join it and I join it within a month. Whatever dirty laundry exists, I'm going to be well versed in, you know, so it's like I always just, you know, but but I'm very careful to just be, you know, as happy-go-lucky Dave as I can possibly be. And it's like, oh, that's great. So what happened to the old guy? You know, that's, it's, it always sucks when you have to replace somebody. You know, I know what that's like. And in, invariably, it's like, oh, the guy was a jerk. I was like, oh, no kidding. What, what did he do? And then they'll tell you the story. It's like, okay, did, you know, is there – and there's always two sides to every story. But is their side – is what they're explaining why this guy had to leave either of his own volition or uh, by, you know, external yeah. consensus? Is that something that I want to, like, does it sound reasonable to me? Or is it like, holy crap, these guys are crazy. Get out. Get out. <laughs> so that's kind of how I do that is just very, like, asking questions and not too many in a row, right? You got to because you got to be
1: aware of how that comes across. That's so smart. You know, and again, my my view is my band, which I know we have our stuff together. Right. And, and I know that, you know, we're, we're a good situation for the right guy. Mm-hmm. And I know that, but I guess that that is possible. There's places where you may go audition where – where you're a better situation than, than the shipwreck that's asking you to join yeah. them. So, Every, so how, do you, everybody's got how do you find that out? Right. So how do, so what do you do? You actually, you just ask questions like, well, what happened to the guy? And yeah. That's kind of, yeah. That's a good one. Right. Cause it's like,
0: it, it, and it, and I never start it with like what happened. It, I always start it with, yeah, man, I know, you know, I've been through it before. I know what it's like. It sucks to have to audition and, you know, you got to retool a band. Things are invariably going to be somewhat different, you know, and, and, And so what happened, you know, and and it it usually comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm always looking for that. And if you're, you know, if you're the band leader uh, or you're even a member of the existing band, be really careful. Look out for that guy. That's coming in and asking, not, not saying that you don't want to hire him, but just be careful that you don't, because you need to vent about this thing. That was an emotional experience throwing this last guy out of the band. uh, Don't, Overvent about that because you might send off the wrong vibe it too. Right. It could be that you go nuts and just say, Oh, like, Oh, we hated him. We hated him. And you just like, you know, break down about it. It's like, well, is that really what this band is? Or is that just like an isolated thing? And and they need to process, you know, cause that, that happens too. So you gotta be, yeah, it's always tough. I, um, I, I, but you know, I'm, I'm somebody that likes to, I, I like to be in charge of my own destiny. That's not, yeah. not going to come as a great surprise. When I auditioned for the responders, um, it, This was after we right after we moved from Texas to Connecticut and I was looking for a gig. And for whatever reason, in Fairfield County, Connecticut, there are it's one of the few places I've been where it's hard to get a gig as a drummer because there's more drummers than there are gigs, uh, which is sort of backwards from everywhere else I've lived. But certainly true there. And it was a great place to grow up because, you know, competition, right, is mm-hmm. kind of feeds that that beast. But uh, getting back, I was like, crap, I, you know, I want to get a gig, and I want it to be a good gig. So I, I started looking and you know, responding to ads, and I met Keith, who, who ran the, this band called The Responders. It was a four-piece band, uh, Beatles, Stones, Motown kind of stuff. It was in that you know, 60s-ish vibe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he calls me up, and he starts telling me this story. And it's like, you know they have this drummer, but they really don't like him, and you know, they they got to find a way to get rid of him. okay. So it's already it's like this is not an ideal scenario, but let's see what happens. So I I went and saw him play a gig and I and Keith's like, just don't tell our drummer that why you're there. And like, yeah, of course, you know, so we chit chatted on a set break or whatever. They were a good band. They were, you know, rocking band. It was like, okay, good. They aren't just like old guys wanting to play Beatles songs. They want to rock. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay, good. That's the right mentality for me. Uh, you know, like you said, you and I, we have our different musical uh, foundations and, and some places where we intersect and some places where we don't. But one thing we have in common is we both like to sweat when we get on stage. Right. Yeah. And the responders were a sweaty band. You know, they like to lean in and go, it's like, all right, great. And uh, I'm like, I could, I can play with this band. So I went and auditioned with them and we played a bunch of stuff, we played for like two hours and it was great. And, uh, and I said to them I, I forced them to make the decision that day about whether or not I had the gig because I knew they were going through this, like they didn't have to replace their drummer, but they were, uh, you know, not happy with them. There was some friction or whatever. I don't know. It, it, I mean, I knew at the time, but you know, it was just like, no, if I don't force them to make a decision, I'll never talk to these guys again. Cause they'll just revert back to, you know, the old comfortable shoe that they really don't like, but they don't need to go buy new shoes. And uh, so, yeah, but my advice to everyone is never make a decision on the spot. (laughs) You should always sleep on it. Always, always, always. Now, it worked out fine for the responders, certainly from my standpoint, but but I think also from theirs. Um, But uh,
1: that's that's really good advice. I mean, you may be feeling it at a moment, but you got to let it all kind of wash over you. Talk about it in the band i have been surprised that i've had auditions where i thought a guy was no good and other guys thought he was good and yeah. you know we, we really had to kind of hold it up to the light and figure out what was going on right so but that that's really good so so i'm thinking kind of pull it together the things that i'm looking for as a leader i'm looking for the basics being a good dude you know be on time demonstrate your work ethic You know, have the chops. Don't waste anybody's time and go after a gig that you don't like the music that much or, you know, you know, if you're going to join a a yes tribute band, you better be able to play that. Yes, stuff. Right. Um, So don't waste people's time
0: just because you like it doesn't mean you can play it.
1: That's true. Um, You know, check the band out beforehand. If you can go see what they're about, Um, you know demonstrate your social skills too. are you a good guy or or, you know there are bands that they don't care if you're a good guy i mean i care right but there are bands where your personality doesn't matter as long as you got the chops that's all we're looking for yeah but even in those
0: bands there's no reason at least at the audition not to demonstrate your social skills there you go right i mean unless they're like no we're all dicks and if you're not dick, you're out, you know I, unless it's that and then it's Band like Bando oh.
1: Dicks. <laughs> Bando
0: dicks. See that there's a stick <laughs> right there. That's good. <laughs> but um, but otherwise, I mean why why not be the nicest guy in the room?
1: Or just reveal who you are. I mean yeah. be be true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, yeah. if you're like, I'm not a big drinker, uh, you know, I'm not a big, you know, going out guy, but I will give you everything I have when I'm on stage with you. I think that's a perfectly valid. Sure. You know, as opposed to just kind of not letting them know who you are and then everybody being being dis- discouraged or disappointed after the fact.
0: That You know, that is a good question to ask at, at an audition or even before you go for the audition. I've even seen this in ads is is the. Amount and tolerance of of substance use uh, in a band, uh, you know, and I and I've seen all, like all over the, the map, depending on, you know, just who the people are. And uh, and that's a you know, that's an important thing to know. Do you want to be on stage with a bunch of people that that may not have all their faculties together? And the, and the answer might be yes. I don't you know, I, I've I've said this before. I don't judge as long as you can get your job done to the level that the band needs it done. Do whatever you want to do. I don't, you know, that's you, but yeah, it's a good question to ask. Do you want to be hanging out with people that, you know, if, if, like you said, you're not a heavy drinker, uh, but you know, this band is full of guys that each drink 12 beers a gig. Okay. You know, know that at least going in that that's what it's going to be like.
1: Very related. Are you – is everybody on board with exactly what the time commitment is? Is everybody on board oh. with the, what the rehearsal commitment is? How many gigs a month are you guys trying to do? How much of a priority is this in your life? Do you have other gigs? And where does this gig fall in your priority of, of, of things that you do? That actually seems to create quite a bit of consternation. That's you know, it. Certainly as a yeah. leader, you go out and you get a gig only to find out that you don't have your – your band, you know, ready to take the gig. Um, you know, that that's a frustrating thing. So time expectations, I think, is a great part of the mutual checklist of seeing if everybody is if it if, if the ad that you're responding to, if that's how you're coming to audition for a band doesn't specifically say this is a great question to ask. And if you're a leader, if you don't want to be disappointed later, it's a great thing to make sure that you've had the conversation with a, with a prospective new band member. So, you know, totally. when, how much, how often are you going to rehearse? When do you rehearse? How often Where? are you gig? How, how far are we going to go for gigs? Yep. Yeah. And all those types of things to make sure that you're in line, you know? Yeah.
0: And, and I, my advice is it, it absolutely do everything. Paul just said, ask those questions, right? Because you got to hear how they answer them. But if it's possible, Take a look at the band's prior gig schedule and and understand that they may have had, you know, a, a, you know a, a, a little gap recently if they didn't, if a member left or whatever. But take a look if you can, if it's, you know, an established band, take a look at their gig schedule and make sure it matches what they're telling you. Because, you know, some people might say, oh, yeah, no, we want to play out like, you know, we'd like to play out like six times a month or whatever. And, and if that works for you, you're like, oh, great. Six times a month. Then you look at their schedule and it's like. Well, realistically, though, they play like three times every two months. They just want to play more. But do they have the talent and the drive in the band to make that to take that from, you know, one and a half times a month to six times a month? And if the answer is no, uh, or at least ask the question, like say, okay, you're saying six. I see one and a half. What's what, going to change? What's, what has what has changed? I, I like you. I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt in those in those and set them up for success. So what has changed? You know, and they might tell you, oh, well, we've got this relationship here. And OK, great. If you the, I mean, you're going to it's it's a leap of faith, right, that, that you're taking here on both yeah. sides from the band and also from the, the player coming in. But just make sure that that it's a match and you believe that what the other party says they're bringing to the table that they can't prove at an audition that they're actually bringing that to the table. Absolutely, know. and then and then you and then you and then you sort of figure it out as you go. Well,
1: and then the last thing is, and, and I recommend that for both the the auditioner and the auditionee, the last thing is about money. So you know, once you're ready to make an offer to a guy to join your band, or or once you've been and made an offer to, that's the time to you know set expectations. You know, does the leader take a cut for booking the band? Is there an agent involved? Is everybody paid the same? How are subs paid? Who's the responsibility for finding a sub should a sub have to happen? Uh, I do recommend – like if a guy was to come in and audition for me and he wanted to talk about money before anything else, that to me is a big red flag that money is a problem for this guy and, you know, he'll he'll ditch me for a better paying gig if there is one so that, you know, you're kind of getting where someone's head. That's kind of a social graces type of thing. If somebody wants to talk about money before they've been offered the gig, I think that's kind of a, a basic faux pas. Conversation does have to happen, but in the right place and right time. Yep.
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's a it's kind of a, a non standard job interview is really what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. Yep. Well good stuff where you you have to where you have to demonstrate you know what you're about and what you're about is your chops and your head yeah yep absolutely yeah Yeah. all right well good luck to everybody
0: i will say yeah to anybody that ever auditions for paul's band um he's he he cultivates a good group of people both musically and and personality wise thanks Uh, man yeah man no it was a it was a pleasure playing with those guys i mean it was um it it was it was a, a real treat playing with your band. The guys were all really nice. And man, everybody was just on fire and on top of everything they played. It's like, Oh, That's this is you. great. I, I like, I didn't have to carry anybody. Not, not <laughs> that I, well, sometimes it's like, Oh, you know, somebody's stumbling, we, we carry him. It's just what you do as a musician, right? You know? And, um, it was really nice. I mean, everybody was just, man, right on the money. Oh, it's good stuff. It's fun. Yeah. I,
1: I would imagine you you would be a good model for a guy to, to follow around as, as he you know you take care of your business and you know a little bit of a love fest here but it, it it is the type of thing as we go about our world looking for kindred spirits to do this thing that's so important to us find fellow musicians whether it's auditioning or having your bros play with you or whatever it may be it's that thing of this common respect for the thing that you do and respect Respect of the music is one part of it, but respect of musicians is a big part of it. And and once you do that, and you know, a lot of a lot of crap can fall away once there is this basis for common respect for the for the process of being a musician. Right? Respect for the craft, and respect for the art, and respect for the dudes. And everything or girls um, and and everything else, you know, kind of will click into place if you start, you know, with honesty, um, integrity and just wanting to be the best pro that you can be. So that that's whether you're playing with your bros or whether you are auditioning new people to come into it. So um, we had, you know, Dave, you know, we had a blast having you with us and it was something I look forward to again and again and again. But it was a blast because that that common expectation of respect. It was 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 respect
0: of everything. Like you said, everybody, everybody respects the music. Everybody respects the job. And, and that makes it very easy for everyone to respect each other. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, folks, find us on Facebook, gig podcast.com slash Facebook. That'll bring you there. We would love to, uh, to have you take part in our little community of uh, like-minded musicians and music fans. So that's all I got. You got anything else, Paul?
1: I'm good for today. This was a good talk. This was a good one. Yeah, man.
0: Yeah, I don't look forward to the next time I audition for something, but I always kind of look forward to that because it's, you know, it's fun. You're always, you're always performing. Always be performing. That's right. Thanks, Paul. Later. Later.